Hi, everybody. It's Michelle Jackson, and I am here for our first Pin Posse Roundtable of 2022. And, and, and I want to apologize to everybody for that, because honestly, we were doing these every month at one point, And then we started doing book fairs and workshops, and we had all these things happening. And so the Pin Posse got put on the back burner, and that is all my fault. And so I'm so excited now that we are starting this back up, because this has been something that is really critical for our writers, okay? All of us, everyone who's a part of the Pen Posse, these are all volunteers. These are people who I just said, hey, would you like to do this? And they said, yeah, sure. So we are gonna get to know each other while we share information about our writing experience. And the reason I wanted to do that, the reason I like to have just writers from everywhere to participate is because it gives you more of an authentic conversation about writing. We're not here to give you some cookie cutter, I did it this way and you should do it this way type of thing. We're here to share with you our experiences because every experience is different. Every experience is different. So we do welcome you to the Pen Posse Roundtable. We're going to be here for two hours to talk about the topic of finding our authentic voice, finding your authentic voice in your work. This is a big deal right everybody it's a big deal because if you don't write from an authentic place the reader will know readers are smart okay they know when you're creating characters or you're creating scenes that you're not even comfortable with because it's the way you write it and so in order to get to a voice or to a place where you can be authentically yourself it is important that you know how to do that and to, to learn some of the techniques that some of us have used so we're going to introduce ourselves before we get started a little, a couple of things to know is that this is live, okay? So if you have any questions, you can drop those questions on the Facebook um, page. I'll be sure to try to get to those. But also, if you're on StreamYard, you can also put your questions there as well, and we'll definitely get to them. We're going to be as authentic as we can be and sharing this information with you. We're going to give everybody an opportunity to talk and to share, express themselves. And um, we're going to be here for two hours. So we've got a little time. We're going to talk and have fun. I'm Michelle Jackson. Once again, I've, cre I've written three books. I just released my first graphic novel comic book called Poppy Makes Cajun Popcorn Magic. It teaches young people how to start businesses. Um, I've also written a Christian fiction novel, which was my first called The Heart of a Man back in 2010. Way a long time ago. That was a long time ago. And then my um, my second book was um, From Darkness to Night, which was released in 2020, uh, right before COVID and, and a month before I started the Black Writers Workspace. So I started the Black Writers Workspace because I just dropped the book and I had no way to promote it. And I began to say, well, you know what? I'm going to get 15 of my friends together because that's all I know who people who have written books. And we're going to start the Black Writers Workspace. And now we have over 12,000 people. And we have hosted so many events from workshops to virtual fairs to the round tables. We have a, um, a competition. We now just launched another competition and we'll talk about that later. So that's who I am. I live in New Orleans. I'm a writer. I'm self-published. I love what I do. I also own a PR firm. So we're going to go from person to person and you just introduce yourself. We're going to start with you, Scarlett. Good morning. I'm Scarlett Miller. I am born and raised here in New Orleans. I wrote my first book last year uh, called I've Been Waiting For You, A Romantic Suspense. Uh, and I am putting out my second book in July, July 3rd, just following the continuation of my first novel. 
Uh, and I also have started my own publishing through NOLA Expressions, which is a book club that I run online and in person here in New Orleans. Um, so we have expanded the book club to go into now help with self-publishing. Hey, my name is Ryan Jenkins, and I am a teacher, 18 years, um, author, spoken word artist, and I published two poetry anthologies last year. Actually, the anniversary is next week on the 15th. Um, the first one is called A Queen's Heart. It pretty much is a, compile, um, a compilation of everything facet of my life, whether my relationship with God, my relationship with a significant other, my relationship with family, and how I feel about social matters. And then you have a queen's anthem, which is pretty much reminding our queens, our princesses of their eminence, that your royalty. So it's poetry edifying the soul. I'm currently revamping a novel that is soon to be published at the end of this year, probably late summer. It's called Reverse. It is really a middle grades novel. I say it's YA, but it's a middle grades novel. It's loosely based on my teenage years. And it's about Monica and Donovan who've been best friends since the womb. And Donovan finally professes his love to her. And she's like, uh, I don't think I want to do that. And when she finally decides she wants to be with him, her dad is like, no, you're not going to do that. So it's called reverse because they go back and forth with their relationship. And then I'm soon going to release at the end of the summer, um, the end of this year, my third poetry anthology called Confessions, which can be positive or negative. Good morning, everyone. My name is Katanya Trent. Um, I'm from Long Island, New York. Um, I'm a published author in two anthologies um, titled Heal America um, and another title Change Has Come in 2020. Um, I am currently um, writing a memoir that's in the editing stages titled 22 and 6, born on 11 26, where I tell my story of delivering my son um, at home alone at 22 weeks and six days pregnant. Um, I'm a board member of a um, writing workshop called Power in the Pen, um, where we are based in Brownsville, um, Brooklyn, but we are um, right now doing everything on Zoom. So if you're a writer and looking to connect, feel free to connect with us. Um, and I'm just here and happy to be amongst these um, authors. Thank you. Thank you so much. Jacqueline? <laughs> Did we lose Jacqueline? I'm having trouble. Good morning, everybody. I am Jacqueline Stewart. I am a mother of two children, a military spouse, of course, an author. I'm a writer. My writing journey began um, with plays because I went to Northwestern State University and majored in theater. So I, I began writing plays and I went on to books, um, a web series, short films, a TV pilot. So I love to write. I love to tell stories. And so um, my heart is to or the fun part of it is sending people on on a roller coaster ride of emotions and then, of course, having a message in some type of capacity at the end of the story. So that's a little bit about me. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here. Excellent. I'm a military wife also. So thank you for your service. Uh, Andrew. Hey, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Andrew Snorton. I'm based in the Atlanta, Georgia area with previous stops in Illinois, New Jersey, and North Carolina. Uh, since 2017, I've written three books and recorded an audiobook series 
um, which leans on the spoken word music freestyle. Um, each book does its own little thing. My first book, Deeper Than Your Deepest Sleep, Thoughts on Love with Joseph Snorton, is more of a poetic retelling of um, um, just rediscovering a long lost family member, then going on the other end of the spectrum of nine stories of faith, which are stories of motivation, encouragement, inspiration, and empowerment. Then my third book, Nothing Minor, goes in another direction as it chronicles my coverage of minor league baseball. So I'm kind of all over the place. Um, I guess being the youngest in the family, that explains a lot of it. Uh, definitely working on some great projects uh, for the summer and the fall. And hey, we all share a passion for writing and it's great to be here. And to everybody, hey, keep moving forward. Our voices are needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Joy? Good morning and thank you. Um, I'm an honorably discharged disabled veteran, so I'm doing a two for one, a spouse and a veteran. <laughs> and um, I recently um, wrote a poetry chat book um, called 21 Grams Times Three. Uh, it's about um, dealing with the death of the spouse and how it affects, you know, the whole family uh, unit. Uh, I started out in second grade writing and uh, some of the advice that I think one of the best advice is never throw anything out that you wrote and I haven't. So I've been able to recraft and, you know, redo some of my books because of that. And um, thank you for, you know, welcoming me into this. Thank you, Bernard. Um, my name is Bernard Sims, Arthur Bernard Sims. I'm just flattered to be part of this distinguished panel here with people who published three books, um, military wives and, and people who deliver babies. And, and I, I'm just a, a local author who's published only one book, but I, I wrote it from, it's called The Southern Awakening, A Black Man's Guide to Liberating the Rural South. And I just wrote it from necessity and seeing the things that were transpiring in the, in the world uh, with the murders of George Floyd and Omar Arbery. And so I just write from that perspective of necessity. I got my start in writing and writing for uh, the NAACP as part of the legal redress team. And it morphed into me being able to be a part of such a distinguished panel that we have here. And I thank y'all for having me. Thank you, Bernard. He is uh, so humble, but he has a great book. And I'm so happy to have everyone on here to talk about this topic of finding your authentic voice. Why is this important? Whether you are writing a children's book, fiction, nonfiction, sci-fi, a memoir, if there is no authenticity in your voice, in your tone, in your, your screen, your scene setting, your readers will know. I have a theory that readers are very smart, right? And for those of you who, who read books as well as write, you know that the reader's mind is, is really trying to build an imagery of what you're writing, right? So they have to be very in, intellectual in order to read a book because you have to build that screen. You have to have an imagination. So if you are writing and you're not being authentic and what that really means, means something different to all of us. And that's going to be one of the next questions that I ask is, what does that mean to you being authentic in your writing? Because what you may think is authentic may not be what I think is authentic, but we've all had different experiences because now that most of us have already published, we have had an opportunity to talk to people who've read our work. And some of the things that you hear is some of the best advice that you can get or some of the best things that you find that you learn about your work. It took a reader 
to help me to define my first book, the theme of my first book. I was trying, when someone would ask me about the heart of a man, tell me a book about it, I would go into this long dissertation that meant nothing. I had a girlfriend to read my book and say, your book is about money can't buy you love. And I mean, I literally fell out my chair. She hit it on the head. She defined it so clearly because it's exactly what I was trying to get at. But when you're writing it, you're so close to it. You're trying to, you know, you want all you want people to know all these different details. But really, there is a fine, there is a theme there. So your readers are going to pick that up if you've done a good job. So let's talk about what does authenticity and truth in your work mean to you? And let's start with you, Andrew. Tell us. What do you think? Yeah, and it's funny, you know, with this topic, because I always talk about being authentic and being accessible. I think part of it for me is showing you have a command of what you're doing, but you're being, you're using your voice to go ahead and share it, but you're also speaking with your reader. I know sometimes we get so caught up in stuff and want to have this brilliant masterpiece but big picture, the best masterpieces are, can the reader kind of go where you're going? Whether they agree or disagree, can they go along with where you're going and kind of see your point of view, see your perspective, see your dedication to the craft? And that's really the simplest way to put it, you know? And like I said before, be authentic, be accessible and being able to speak with your audience. So your audience is coming along with you for the ride. And it's almost like, why are you turning that direction? Why are you going this direction? Mm -hmm. That's still great because now what happens is when you take all that in, when you do your next work, now you can go ahead and walk even cl closer lock and step with your audience. Right, absolutely. And for those of us who are just getting started in writing and trying to figure out how do we get to that place, we're going to have some, everybody's going to share some techniques with you. But I can tell you that one of the hardest things when it comes to writing, I know for me, was getting beyond my own fears of being truthful in my work. And um, my, my first book, both books, all books pretty much are fictional to some degree, except for my last one, which is a combination of a graphic novel and a comic book, but it is an educational piece. One thing that I had to learn was that if I'm trying to hide something, then it's not going to, it's not going to read correctly. I have to share. My second book, I wrote it in three years, but it took me five years to publish it because I was so afraid of what people around me would think about the book and the characters. I'm just going to be honest with you. It was a book written in a community similar to the one I grew up in. I knew people were going to make that connection. And then it was a family, although not my family, it still looked like my family. So these were the things that I had to contend with. So I, I tell you, Ryan, tell, tell us a little bit about what authenticity means to you. What does truth in writing mean to you? Um, truth is sharing your story and realizing that no one else can tell your story. Mm -hmm. And when you know truly the story you're trying to convey and that no one else can speak it like you, that's what I feel like is being authentic. Um, you have to know who you are and come from a place where this is truly what you believe, what you stand firm on, and the thoughts and ideas that, that you contribute to it. And one thing I wanna put out there too of being authentic, sometimes our story sounds like someone else's, but at the end of the day, you're telling your story. 
Um, it's too many movies and TV shows that we see mimic each other, but the reality is something about each one of those shows is different because that particular director, that particular writer put something out there, put their spin on it. So just being true and genuine to who you are, as I believe is being authentic and willing again to share your story, not someone else's story, but your story. And how many times do we have someone say, you know, or feel a writer will say, I'm not going to write this book because nobody cares about this. Who cares about my story? Uh, we care about your story, writers. We do. We care about your stories because I believe that whether you become a best-selling author or not, there is someone who is going to grow and be nurtured by your story. I've read some amazing books on the Black Writers Workspace, stories that have just blown me away. I read a book not long ago about a young girl whose mother and father were um, drug addicts and all the things that she went through. These are things that move you. They change you. And if you, if you fail to write it, you fail to give that reader, whoever it was written for, an opportunity to learn from it. So tell the story. I love that point. That is great. Um, Charlotte, um, Charlotte, talk to us about your ideas around authenticity. Well, my ideas were everybody has a voice. And for myself, I've been writing for a long, long time. Uh, and like you spoke about before, a fear of putting it out there and people judging it was an issue for a long time. Um, you feel like you, this story is something you've read before. Um, but the truth is, I mean, every genre has tropes. It has, you, you're going to have similarities. But again, I felt like there's something different in mine because I'm different. I am not this author and that author. I'm me. And for some people who really, really know me, who read my, my book, uh, they they could see it. In, and not just this character, that character they could just see pieces of my voice in it of just who I authentically am because they knew me. I think even if you don't know me, it's certain things that you pick up that's different from other books. Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's going ahead and making sure you don't try to conform yourself to what you think it should fit into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even in the writing, I love that. Even in the writing, uh, I used to struggle with I would read an Alice Walker book or a Maya Angelou book, and I would say, I can't write like that. So I shouldn't write my book, right? We, we get so caught up in the trying to follow behind so many people, but you have to be authentically yourself. Your writing style, your voice, your tone, all of that is yours. And so we as writers have to learn how to not try to be like someone else, but let the story flow from us the way it, it was meant to flow from us, all right? Um, and don't try to uh, water down your, your writing style by trying to be like someone else. So that is a big piece of the being authentic. You may be authentically a frustrated person and your writing may, you know, be, you know, be exemplary of that. Okay, you know, channel that you know, channel that, but don't try to write like someone else. That was another hindrance that I had with getting started as a writer was I was someone who read so many books and I would say, I can't do this. I can't tell this story in this way. 
I'm reading a Tony Morrison book and it's the description and everything was so amazing. I can't do this. And I would, I kept keeping myself from writing because I'm worrying about trying to be like someone else. We cannot do that. We have to learn how to channel and be who we are and write our stories. Because like I said, even if it's just one person who's going to benefit from it, it's worth it. Katanya, talk to us about your ideas around authenticity. Um, for me, it's just being true to myself. Um, I feel like I'm speaking on a topic that is mainly kept quiet um, and a lot of times in the Black community, um, speaking on premature birth. Um, right now, um, Black maternal health is something that is being brought up, um, being talked about. So for me, it was a bit difficult to open up because it's not always spoken about. Um, I didn't know much about the neonatal intensive care unit, um, premature birth. So as I started to open up, I started connected more in that way. Um, so being true to yourself, um, I feel like this is a calling for me in a sense. So um, I said, be true to yourself and don't be afraid if it's a topic that's not openly discussed in your community, in your family. Um, don't be afraid to be the first to step out in, in areas. And it was important for me to connect with the writing group um, so I can keep my authentic voice as I write my memoir um, coming from a black woman's perspective. Um, I wanted to make sure my voice was being heard and the language mm -hmm. um, and my memoir was kept the way I wanted it to, you know, be heard out in the, in, in areas of, of my book. Thank you. We're going to talk a little bit about all the different things that we were, we struggled to, to expose in our book, um, in our books. There are so many layers there of things to consider your family. Okay. How is, how, how will what I write impact the people around me? Okay. The culture. How will what I write expose something about being black or living life as a black person or the taboos of the culture? How will it expose that? And what type of feedback am I going to get? These are these are things that you have to overcome before you really get to a place of authenticity. Am I ready for that? Our, our faith. You know, how will what I write impact my faith or how people see me? You know, I wrote a book about my first book is a Christian fiction novel and the character never steps foot in a church. Not once, um, nor is he African-American. All right. I, you know, the things that we write, all these different layers that we have to come to come to terms with, we have to resolve that we are going to write despite the culture, despite what people may say, despite what people may perceive about our faith. We have to write it authentically because that's the only way to write it. Right. So I love that you're talking about a topic that no one else is talking about. because You're going to educate us. Yes. But you're also going to expose something that many of us don't talk a lot about. I mean, if we all had a notepad and wrote about all the things from a black culture perspective that we don't talk about, the list would be, whew, it would be very long. But these are the things that we probably need to be talking about so that we can change the trajectory of how they impact our culture in the future, right? If we don't talk about it, we can't change it. So Bernard, tell us about your ideas around authenticity. 
Uh, you just hit hit a lot of things on the head of what I was what I was thinking while you were talking. As a barber, for years in our in our community, the community comes in and we have this one amplified voice in our like social club or the barbershop. But then we go out into this southern rural plantation mindset area and we don't speak that same truth that we speak in our barbershops and our beauty salons. And so for me writing, I feel like I have a, a obligation to amplify those voices that are too afraid or uh, too oppressed, you know, uh, 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 to speak their mind in, in a public forum. And in, in doing that, uh, my calling like through legal, the legal redress team and writing for the NAACP, I, I learned that you have to write with the truth. Uh, otherwise, if, if I say this happened at this time, at this place, uh, in the sheriff's office, and it's not true, then the one dynamic or one detail that's not true is what they will focus on and disregard my whole argument. And, and that comes from our community, too, and not being uh, confident enough to share our stories. But our stories are, are part of the bigger blanket of a, of a larger society. And if we don't tell our stories from the rural South, then our voices go unheard. And so authentic, authenticity and truth is, is critical keys to my, my style of writing and free writing. Excellent. Excellent. Joyce, you're going to wrap it up for us. <laughs> um, I think it, you know, goes back to military training. You have to master the rules and make them work for what you're crafting. Um, one of the things is my, my editor, you know, um, when I wrote, um, my other novel, The Woke Way, she would say, oh, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't, you know, have the um, people speak like this because some people aren't going to understand it. I said, but that's the point. You know, this is the way that these characters speak. We're keeping it in. Okay. You can't let people, you know, in a societal rules define what you are and what you write. Mm -hmm. Everyone is different like a snowflake, you know, and we all are defined by our experiences. So that's what you have to keep in mind. Mm, love it. Love it. The Black experience, our experience. And like, I love that. I always say my life, my walk, my journey is like a fingerprint. We, we, it, it is unique to anyone else's. And that is extraordinary. I love that. We've got a lot of comments coming in. Um, we've even got some questions. Woo, we've got a lot of things. I don't know if I'm going to keep up with all these questions, but we're going to get to it. I promise you. Uh, we will do that. There's so much said here that I love this, this truth in sharing your story. It's a uh, master the rules. I love that. Um, speak your truth, um, maintaining truth, being true to yourself in your work. Um, you know, in, in, in the last 50 or 60 years, when it comes to traditional publishing, um, only about 5% of the books were published by Black writers. I don't know if people, if a lot of you know that. Uh, a lot of our works, our stories are not being told. Uh, there has been no time in history, in my opinion, except for now where I'm seeing more Black stories being told. And a lot of that, of course, we know is because of self-publishing. People can publish themselves and they can, um, you know, do it right. It, it, self-publishing doesn't mean that it's not done well. Um, there are still steps and rules to publishing. However, more of our stories are getting out and people like I love the fact that Netflix and some of these um, platforms are beginning to tell stories of self-published authors. They're like, hey, we love these stories because a good story is a good story. 
I'm going to be honest with you guys, whether it's written by a best-selling author or anybody else, you got a good story to tell, then you should tell it. I believe in that. Um, and so I'm really happy that I've, I've been doing a lot of research and a lot of work on self-publishing, setting up platforms so we can put our books out there. We've got the Black Writers Workspace. But we have to stop being afraid to share our stories as if no one cares. You know, Bernard, you're talking about something that I laugh with my husband about a lot. And that's the fact that the barbershop is where men can just tell other young men what they need to tell them. You know, don't they hurt? Don't do this. Don't do that. Women, we don't have a lot of that, you know, in my opinion. And so we have to start finding our spaces, too, to tell those stories. And these books are giving us that opportunity to do that, not to be ashamed of our story, but to know that our experiences, our life experiences are there, not just for us, but so that we can be a light on the of the world and share it with other people. So in a firing round, everybody open up your mics. I want you to tell me without thinking, without worrying, without caring, who's going to hear it? What is it in your work you were afraid to share, that you were afraid of? All right. And I'm going to start with saying, my own personal guilt. I carry guilt heavily. And so my book, especially the, from Darkness Tonight, gave me an opportunity to deal with my own guilt um, about things, um, whether it's about my family, my past. I don't know. I'm just one of those people who carry guilt heavily. And that was my way of dealing with it. So let's start. Jacqueline, with you, what was it that you were worried to release into the world and that you had to overcome in order to, to write your book. I think, especially now for me, just presenting myself in a different way than what people are used to seeing me be. Can you hear me? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I me? I think we got it up. Can are you okay? We're gonna move to Andrew. Okay, we'll come so yes, you. for me okay. it was just writing in a talk. Okay, we have some technical problems with Jacqueline. We're gonna come back to you, Jacqueline. Andrew. Okay. Yeah, I, I think for me, the first book, because of kind of opening up on your shortcomings you know, where you flopped, where you failed behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. I think that was like the biggest thing. But by the same token, that was such a cathartic release. And when I pivot into the audiobooks, where it's even more wide open, um, mm -hmm. I, I think when you, that was like the biggest thing, like just point blank, these were some of the failures. These are some of the things that didn't go as smooth as silk. But in doing that, it was definitely breaking down that barrier regarding can I continue writing? And of course the answer is yeah, because I've mm -hmm. done more work. So that's probably the biggest thing, getting through that hurdle. But once you get through the hurdle, you know you can do just about anything else. Is it is it just me or did everyone have to come to a point where you almost had to say to yourself, give yourself permission to be authentic in your work? You know, I mean, literally give yourself permission you know, and I always say it's almost like a contract you have with yourself to say, I'm going to put this out here into the world and whatever comes back, I'll deal with it. Because 
Like I said, when I wrote my books, I had people to ask me, is this character me? Were you writing this about me? And I wasn't. But nonetheless, there were people who were concerned about it because when the girl writes a book who no one thought would write a book, everybody's, you know, pushing back and saying, what is she going to write about? You know, is she going to tell the story about things that happen between us? Is she, you know, and it's like, no, I'm just, this is fiction. But we all know that characters are built from people we know and things we've experienced, even whether it's an alien and a sci-fi book, we build characters based on things that we've experienced to some degree. And so I really had to say to myself, in order to sit down and write this book, I have to agree to be authentic and accept that there will be people who will be concerned about this. So that's a great thing. Joyce, what do you got? There was one, only one person I was concerned with, and my mother, she's Southern Belle. So I told her, Mom, I'm going to write this book. I'm telling everything. <laughs> so she was like, well, you go ahead, baby. You do you. You know <laughs> I was cool. <laughs> you know, sometimes the, I think sometimes it's healing for everybody. I think it's healing for everybody. I, I really do. I mean, uh, I don't know if you guys watch Queen Sugar when um, the sister wrote the book and told everybody's yes. business. Mm -hmm. and, and I remember sitting there because I was in the middle of writing my book and uh, my husband and I watch it and he's like, oh, she's wrong for that. And I'm going, yeah, <laughs> but, it is her story. So we do have to figure out this balance between, you know, in my opinion, as a Christian, I always say what God wants me to do with this talent and what the world is going to say about this talent and come up, be find some space of, of, of balance there. So I'm glad that your mother said, do you? That's right. That's our message. That's our first technique to everybody out there. Do you? Absolutely. Bernard? Uh, but basically what, what Joyce said and Andrew said, it kind of triggered my my thoughts on like, I'm worried about my mother because in my book, I'm writing about details of her, her brother's death as a young black man uh, being killed by the police and having to hash out details in my book that she didn't even know or she didn't want to know. And so having to be true to that in my writing and saying that was very difficult because I knew it was causing my mother so much regurgitating so much grief and pain. And also uh, what uh, what Andrew said about doing the audio book, I'm working on an audio book of mine now. And uh, I also in studying how to do audio books, I've listened to Viola Davis do Finding Me and how she had to go back to when she was an eight year old child and like wrestle with the trauma that that young girl was going through. And in writing my book and, and being in a booth and having to rehash about seeing my father die in the yard and have to have at a young age and trying to heal that young, young man. And that was uh, that was very traumatic and hard to get through all over again. So being vulnerable in that aspect is, and to growing up in a culture as a black man where you know, shut up or I'm going to give you something to cry about. You know, mm -hmm. black men have to walk around with this macho chip on our shoulder that doesn't allow us the space to be human and, and grieve and to feel these things and to wrestle with the the the, the toxicity of, of those traumas if we don't talk about them and expose them in our life in order to help ourselves and in order to help others heal themselves as well. Hmm. 
I have to stop and ask you, how did you overcome those things? What did you what did you say to yourself to say it's okay to write about such intimate details of your life? Uh, you know, the, the, the quickest answer is it, the faith in a high power in God. But uh, and through that faith, you know, a lot of our connection to a high power is instilled in us through our earthly fathers. And I just always go back to the last thing my father said to me when he walked out the door and got killed in the front yard in the bulldog that those accident was I was getting ready for school and I you know, my mother tell me to get up and it's like she have to tell me eight times but my father could say get up boy and I jump up I'm at attention and I got and so the last thing he said to me was get up and so that's when I'm at my lowest points uh just hearing those words from my father in my mind and thinking about get up boy and so that's that's how I got through writing that is mm. hearing that internal voice and 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 him encouraging me to go forward. Excellent. Ryan, anybody else want to chime in on this? Yeah, my journey through writing was very um interesting. I actually started writing when I was 12. Um, shout out to Sampa, South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina. I forgot to put that out there. Um, but I actually for, I actually wrote my first novel at age 12 in seventh grade. And I actually, we would pass it around to each other in a folder. So the teacher would think we we're passing notes as far as like English notes, but it was really a story we were adding to each other's. Mm -hmm. And um, my friends love my work. Now, granted, I'll admit my work was very inappropriate for my age, but <laughs> because of that, I wrote and kept writing. And it wasn't until I think of my college years and I took a writing fiction class in with the university and my work was demolished and I felt like, well, I couldn't write. Mm -hmm. And then I want to say at my 10 year anniversary reunion, class reunion for high school, my friends who read my stories in seventh grade said, Ryan, whatever happened to those stories that you used to write? And I was still writing poetry, had been writing for years. I knew that God had put a calling on my life to write. I was told that when I was about 20 years old. I knew that was something. Writing is what I do. I just left out the fiction part for a while. And then when they told me that, that's when I started the novel that originally was called Boomerang that is now called Reverse. And it's one of those things where literally I found myself just realizing that everyone always wanted to hear what I had to say. And I think because I got that confirmation early, it wasn't that hard to put my work out there. Now, there's still some things I struggle with here and there because at the end of the day, you don't want to expose your family while being true to yourself. Um, I'll admit I was one of those things when Monique did, um, I don't know if it was Monique or somebody else who exposed their family. I felt like she should have sat down with her family. Mm -hmm. um, so at the end of the day, you have to be there, a fine line, but at the same time, you want to be authentic and true with yourself at the same time, sheltering your family. Um, unlike the lady from Queen Sugar you mentioned. But again, I think because I received that confirmation early, I've been doing spoken word for years. And after performances, it was like, where's the book, Ryan? Where's the book? And because I think I received that confirmation, it was never a, is my work good enough? It is, when are you going to put the work out there? Mm, love it. Katanya, did you get a chance to answer? Um, no, well, I'll go ahead. Um, for me, it was exposing the self-blame um, because I gave birth early. Um, and to this day, I didn't know why it happened. I never received a reason why it happened. Um, there was a lot of self-blame 
that I placed on myself. Um, so exposing that um, to the world um, was something that um, I struggle with. And I think that comes with growth and healing through the process as well, um, is how I was able to kind of like work through that. And also within my birthing experience, um, I had a, a body experience. So I go through this whole spiritual part in the book where I said, will people believe me? Do, will they believe this happened? Um, so just battling with those things. Um, but like I said, I think a lot of it comes with self-growth, self-love. Um, I think when you write a memoir, there's some level of tapping into yourself that you have to work through first before coming to acceptance of um, putting certain things out there that you're afraid of. I love that because it is a battle in, in many ways as writers. We we battle against ourselves. I mean, writing a book is not easy, but it is extremely rewarding. It is. Uh, I, I think I I think I I live in my head, and only the only real truth comes out of me in, in words on paper. I know it sounds crazy, but I love to write, and I don't write enough. Um, and I'm not here to say I'm the best writer ever. I just love to write. I really believe this is the gift that God gave me, and um, and I've been blessed to be able to do many things with it. Um, but it is, it is therapeutic. I don't know if, if, if that's what every, if that's just the right word for everybody. It is extremely therapeutic. Um, and so that is excellent to hear you, you talk about those things about just being able to deal with some of the insecurities, you know, that you have about putting the work out there, but I don't know about you, but the work calls you like, you've got to put it out. I think that's what I learned that was so amazing to me was how I would write a little and put it down and pick it up in a month or two, but I couldn't get it out of my head. I literally could not get, it was like, you got to write this. You got to write this. You got to write this. I wrote a blog post and posted it on black writers workspace this morning called today. I pledge to love myself. And I put it out there and I wrote it um, a couple of days ago. And I tell you, it was just what I was feeling in the moment. And it was, about the fact that I'm just tired of feeling like I can't love myself because of all the, you're getting older, you're getting this, you're getting that, you know what I'm saying? And so I wanted to put out there. So writing has become so therapeutic for me to deal with things that I am dealing with internally. And if someone now, because I've gotten beyond the years of phases of worrying about what people say, if you step to me and say, hey, why did you write this? I'm going to have an answer for you. You know, you might not like it, but I'm going to have the answer for you. So let's, we're going to go to some of these comments because they're piling up and then we're going to get to our next set of questions. Um, we've got April saying, hi, Charlotte. Uh, <laughs> Scarlett, I'm sorry. Hi, Scarlett. We've got D um, uh, on here. We've got Pamela. Good morning to everybody. Good morning from Roe. Um, David Muse, this is fabulous. Cam, um, com, uh, collaboration of writers and authors, awesome. Um, he talks about a great point that I made. Readers are looking for us to take them on an exhilarating journey while at the same time be authentic. And that is so true. Um, Lenora says, Good morning to everyone. Um, Chate, good morning, everyone. D Denise, that's my cousin. Hello. Uh, fear of what others might think is a major obstacle to publishing. Thank you for sharing. We have B. Lynn Carter. She says she grew up in the Bronx. People have said um, that she sound like a, a white girl and we're gonna wanna take this as a question. So I worry about not 
sounding black enough in my narration, even though my dialogue is black, where I feel it's needed. Talk to us about this idea of voice, everybody. You can open your minds. Let's talk about this because I hear this all the time. So like I said, we talked about all these layers. We got the culture layers, the religion layer, the family layer. Then we have the are you black enough layer. <laughs> Somebody want to talk about that? I'll, I'll jump in on that one. And, <laughs> and this is coming from someone who's an English major. So you hear how you sound. Oh, that's mm -hmm. look, your voice is your voice. And as one of my friends who's um, high school administrator would be like, just tell it. It, it doesn't you the only the thing you can control for is your delivery if that's your delivery if that's how you talk if that's how you write put it out there because what you're going to find is there are other people who thematically have a similar voice style whatever and i'll say this in looking at the first book and when i talked about some things that didn't go so great there was somebody who came to me and said that hey look this particular chapter or this particular poem spoke to my experiences from 10 years ago, but I'm still holding on to it. So I'm saying all that to say to whoever is like, well, you don't sound this, you don't sound that. No, you are who you are. You just put it out there. And what's gonna end up happening is in you finding your voice, you help others and they can be like, this is what I was trying to say. So yeah, I, I, I'm just gonna say, you hear that? But you get to a point where you care, you don't care because mm -hmm. people who are critiquing your voice are the very people that haven't gotten even started mm -hmm. on stuff. Mm -hmm. So you gotta, for lack of a better term, and this comes from one of the books where one of the baseball players are interviewed, you gotta filter out the noise. If this is something on your heart mm -hmm. to go ahead and speak, whether it's the growth or the cathartic release or being a voice for other people who have similar ideas, you got to filter out the notion. Just go ahead and do it. Yeah. Love it. Anybody else? Love yeah. It. I grew up um, always being called the white girl. Mm -hmm. um, grew up in South Carolina. We were always, we lived in a neighborhood where it was predominantly white. Even when I went to predominantly black schools. Um, I remember being on the phone. A guy kept calling me a white girl. The reality is um, I was born from an educator. I am an English major. I talk how I talk. When there's sometimes I talk a certain way. You just say, that's Ryan. Because you know me, but at the end of the day, I need us to get to a place as a people to realize that there are many layers and different facets of our culture. There are some people that love anime. There are some people who love um, action films, just like there are genres, there are different layers to us as Black people. So as a result, not all Black people talk the same, not all Black people think the same, but at the end of the day, we are people and we are authentic to where we're from and what our culture has exposed us to. So when you say I'm not Black enough, the fact that you're Black, you are enough. So it doesn't matter what anyone has to say about it or what anyone has to think about it. Your voice is your voice and it's authentic to who you are. It's no need to talk like you're from a particular area and that's you're not from that area or from that experience. Talk from who you are and just know that is enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. And these are some of the things that stop us from writing. It's this fear of worrying about how people will interpret our tone and our voice. I go, I grew up in Fairfield, Alabama. All right. And I have been told a million times that I sound like a white girl. 
and you don't sound like you from Alabama. I'm going to be honest with you guys. My mother was, I mean, love her to death, but I heard broken English. I have broken English as well all the time. I was very, very, very committed to learning to speak in a certain way. Not like a white person. <laughs> that was not ever like, I want to learn how to speak like a white. No, it was just that, like you said, I love English. I love books. All those things really influenced how, you know, my tone, my voice, how I saw things. It, it is so frustrating when the stories we write are not black enough. Or, and it's so frustrating that there are still so many people out there, particularly readers who will say, I'm so tired of black people writing about trauma. If that's your story, I mean, we all go through trauma, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. So this idea that we are not to write about um, living in the hood, when a lot of us did live in the hood, if we are not to write about, you know, having bad relationships, when many of us have bad relationships, we cannot censor our stories in that way. And that has become something that really bothers me when I talk to people about, you know, why Black people always write about hood stuff or gangster stuff or we're telling our stories our way you may not like it it may not be a genre for you it may not be your thing and i get that but telling someone that their story is invalid because it's different or it sounds different is not fair at all anybody want to chime in on that i would I like know. to um i would just like to say own it you know um it comes with being true to yourself if you try to sound like someone else or something different, you're not being authentic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be able to um, connect and relate to the audience that you're, you're trying to project out. Um, and I feel like those who critique people in that kind of way, they may see something in you that they're lacking in, in within themselves. Um, so own it. <laughs> own it. Absolutely. Tell your stories. Love it. Own it. On it. We're going to get to some of these other questions. And I'm sorry, there was someone else who wanted to chime in. I don't want to. I was going to chime in. Okay. That um, I've also, I wrote, again, a romance novel about a Black woman and the male love interest is white. However, the book is not about interracial dating. It just so happens that they are two different races. And there are some things that come up that, you know, remind you that your, your characters are who they are, but it's not about that. And as people read, uh, you know, oh, I forgot about that at certain points. And it was like, it wasn't supposed to be a main point. Mm -hmm. And I did that very consciously to not make the book about race. The book is about something very other than just their day. It's about romance. It's erotic, but it's not about their race. That's just who the two people are. Um, and I, I did get a little pushback on some people because they don't, like, that's not Black romance. It's, well, it's romance. And, you know, Whatever character you have a black woman who is the your main character, and then you can go from there uh, of how you want it to be. Um, and so it's just pushing past, you know, people's expectations of because you're a black woman writing a a, a romance novel about a black woman. So it's almost like a betrayal but that it's not a black romance. You know, if we have to write in this little censored box. <laughs> If we've got to write with all these rules, I, I don't know if they're going to be good stories put out there because we, I feel like as a, as a people, have more rules about our creativity and art than anybody else. 
And I have such a big problem with that. I believe that we should honor the culture and in every way we can. But guess what? My first book, my main character was a white man. And I did not think anything of it because I wrote the book after having a bad day at the office. The character was my boss. And it just was something I started to write. And it was just helping me to deal with what was going on around me. And it turned into a novel. When I put it out, I literally was just being, I guess some people would say naive to think that it was okay for me to write a book about a white man. Well, he dealt with issues of race. He dealt with issues of um, social injustice. He dealt with things and he dealt with his own racial issues, his own bigotry, because he was a very wealthy white man who was dealing with things. It didn't matter to me that he was white because it was the character that came to me. And I thought as an artist, I had the right to tackle and embrace the character that comes to me, whether it's an alien, a white man, a black man. A, but I have been in settings that will say, no, 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 you're supposed to stay in this box and only write characters that look like you. And I say, no, I'm sorry. I'm just that person to say, you write what comes to you in your heart, as long as you're fair, not being, you know, um, not being stereotypical, you know, creating characters based on stereotypes. As, as long as you do your research, I'm okay with it. Now, this can create a whole nother argument here because people will say, well, do you think white writers should be able to write black characters? If they do it right, if they're fair and not making every little boy a basketball player, I'm okay with that. I am. I'm just being honest with you. But this is something as a writer, as a not just a writer, as an artist, that we have to say, do we really want to put ourselves in that kind of bucket? Do we really want to limit ourselves in that way? Any other comments? I'm going to go down and see if some, we've got a couple of coming in. Uh, someone said, break the box. <laughs> <laughs> Any other comments on this topic? Well, I was, I was going to say, uh, coming from the South, and I'm listening to how, how beautiful Ryan says when she speak, I was wondering, is she from South Carolina or South Kakalaki? Because it's a difference. <laughs> and uh, but, but being from the South and trying to, you know, we don't enunciate words we like we say the first part of it and then we think you're supposed to figure out the second half of the work and so in doing that i found that out in when, when i'm doing my audio book again because my my voiceover coach was like you wrote this book you can't say some of the words and i'm like that's been a, a struggle to coming from the south is the way we speak but being able to elevate from that and to be able to get a book published where you have to reach this threshold of 97 percent accuracy in, in the English language to be on some of these bookshelves, you know, is a is a it's a it's a growth process for me and being able to transition from how we talk into being true to how we talk, but then like say it in a way to where people who are from here get it, but then people who are, are more uh northern or versed or whatever can understand what we're saying. So mm -hmm. that's what I only I want to add to it. I love that. I love that. These are all things that are culture, cultural, regional things that we have to think about when we're writing that I hate that we even have to think about it. Write it the way you want to write it. Um, when I grew up, I loved all these you know, books by writers who were using black dialect. And it was a big issue then because, you know, some of these books are being banned now. But uh, it was, you know, like thinking about the color purple you know, in the dialect that was used. There were people who pushed against that. Nobody understands what you're saying, but it's how we talk. 
many of us, not all of us, but I want to write a book that speaks to who the character is and that character's region and the character's experiences. And <clears throat> that's important to me. So I love that. So we said, so true. Someone came in and said, would that depend on what type of book you're writing? Because sometimes those words are meaningful to the character you are trying to, pro um, to project. Bernard, is that, he <clears throat> said, would that depend on the type of book you're writing? Because sometimes those words are meaningful to the character you are trying to project. And that speaks to just, we talked about with Black Dialect, with, you know, writing a, a period piece and making sure that the way you do your dialogue is consistent to how people spoke in that time. Um, that is important. That's that's about scene setting as well. If you If you build a character that grows up in the roughest part of a community who is uneducated or may not have ever gone to school who's you know who grew up in a broken environment um they're probably not going to pronounce their words the way someone else in another you know in a, in a more fluent area would that's just that's just common sense that's just the way we talk you grow up in the south you're going to pronounce i say y'all all the time that is just a part of what i say y'all everything and, and finna finna is a word to me i literally that's we have been saying that forever. So, you know, these are the things, these are based on how, where I grew up, how I grew up. Yes. But you still have to have a level of authenticity. When I wrote my book about my young girl living in the South, I felt like because of her, she was a very, um, she was an intellectual, well-read young lady. I wanted to make sure that that showed, but I also want to show that, you know, make sure that the dialogue met where she was growing up in as well. So, yes. You do, you know, that, that has a lot to do with the characters and the background, the profile of your characters. And we'll just to stop a little bit about that. When you profile your characters, everybody, are you thinking about them from a regional perspective? Are you thinking about, are you being authentic about that? Anybody want to talk about that? I know I a few Orleans, um, and I love the New Orleans and that's in me and her. Uh, so there are some things that she says that if you live here, you know, is definitely New Orleans. And if not, you just, it might just, it reads like slang. Uh, but if you're from here, you you get it. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I, I, I know for me, that's one of the things me, I finally found an editor who understands my voice and uh, with this novel that I'm working on now, um, we had to we had a disagreement because she, she thought I was writing the book for now, and the book that I'm writing is based on the '90s. So some of the slang, some of the terms that were brought brought up, she was like, "Well, that's not something the kids would know now." I said, "But that's because it's written based on the '90s. It's not based on 2020." Um, so making sure you're all authentic when it comes to like the selection and the scene. Most of my books come from where I'm from, which is Sumter, South Carolina. Um, Columbia, South Carolina. So there, there are certain things in the town as authentic to the character. Um, I do believe you're going to write outside of where you're from. You're going to have to do your research. Um, but if it's where you're from you're, and you understand that, then it's very easy to be authentic and bring in sights and sounds and words and sayings that are true to those people and where they're from. Absolutely. And that, that, that all goes back to truth and authenticity in our work is your 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 profiling your your how you build your characters how you set your scenes um 
editors, good editors can help with this. Good beta readers can help with this. Sometimes we all get off on, you know, setting a scene that's not realistic. Um, those types of things. I was watching something the other day and uh, I always like to read the reviews and people were saying the music in the movie was not accurate to the time. So like I said, your readers, your viewers are smart people. They are paying attention to the details. So as you write, please be not only authentic in how you build your story, build your characters, but be authentic in understanding that you know, there has to be truth in your in your scene setting, in your plots, in where they go, how they speak, what they wear, because people are paying attention to all of those things. Um, there are so many comments. I'm just loving these comments, y'all. I'm sorry. I got to keep going back to them. I'm trying to to just get through through it. Um, someone, David, came back and said, self-publishing is the greatest thing that happened to the literary field in the last 10 years. Um, I, I totally agree. I think that um, self-publishing has opened the door for so many of us to put our work out there now. But with that said, it's still there is a level of, you know, there has to be instruction and standard to it as well. We still need to be getting editors and we still need to be getting beta readers and we still need to care about our character development and care about our scenes and being authentic there's still so many pieces out there because and i say that because there's people who are writing books and putting it out without doing any research without doing getting any editing without understanding that this is going to outlive you this book will be on somebody's shelf when you are long gone so you want to make sure it's good, not good, but as great because the traditional publishing industry is still saying our books are the best because we put all this money and, and everything behind it. And I want to say to them, no, there are some better. I've read great self-published books because the person who wrote the book put in the time and made the investment to make it good. So, yes, I do agree. Uh, but we want to make sure that if we are self-publishing, that we are doing taking all the steps. Um, speak right place. Say hello, everyone. Great question, Michelle. Writing requires a great level of vulnerability. Absolutely. Um, David Muse come back and said how deep this is. And there was just so much more love shown on this. I can't go through all of them, but a lot of people are really loving this conversation. Let's see if any questions in here. Uh Ella said, I'm from Charlotte, um, Charleston, South Carolina. I've, I have never understood why broken English or bad grammar is attributed with being black. Let's talk about that. Why is that? I that is interesting. Part <laughs> of it, and this is wearing the media hat. Part of it is look at the narratives that are pushed out there. Mm -hmm. And this is what makes what we're doing so important. When we were just talking a couple moments ago about your traditional publishers, even like parlaying traditional publishing, traditional media, if it doesn't fit their box, they're not going to do it. And if you look at the makeup of the decision makers, do those decision makers really reflect, you know, the different authors, et cetera? So the whole broken English thing, look, there are people across the board of different demographic mm -hmm. that speak broken English. It's not just black folk. 
But when you look at the narratives that are pushed out there in books or traditional media, print media, what have you, it leads people to think that this is only associated with a certain group. And that's why with all of us here, whatever we're doing stylistically or genre, whatever you want to call it, it makes it so important. So, you know, you can't, you wonder why certain narratives are pushed and that's why our voices and our work is needed, plain and simple. There has to be balance. Are there some black folk with, with broken English? Yeah, but there's plenty that don't have it. So how come you don't see that on a large scale? So that question really ties in not only with writing, but print media, digital media, music, whatever. And that's why we are needed to provide balance and let people know, hey, look, the black experience is a whole lot broader than what's being crammed down your throat. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, well said, absolutely. Anybody else wanna talk about this idea that broken English or, it, it feels like sometimes just so many layers of things meant to keep us from moving forward and telling our stories. You know, you have a voice no one wants to listen to. You have a story no one cares about. It's not true. It is not true. And we have to move beyond all these limitations to get to where we need to be. Um, broken English, every culture, everybody has a level of broken English. I mean, think about people in the Appalachian Mountains and how they speak. Think about uh, white people in the South. We all speak broken English. Um, everyone has a, their own way of pronouncing words. Um, it, it, it's, it's just it's so unfair that these negative terms are always placed in our bucket as this is a Black thing. It's not a black thing. It's just a cultural thing. It's just the way, you know, it's the way you, if your parents pronounce the word one way, you're going to probably pronounce it that way as well. It's just what you hear. So it's just not fair to, to say that. But I also just want to really reinforce that these are things that we cannot limit us, let limit us to not write. Because everything that everyone has said are reasons to not write, really. Because you have to deal with, like I said, this contract that we write with ourselves to give ourselves permission to write, to be authentic, has to start with what we will not allow ourselves to be degraded because of, you know. Um, I wrote a book, 80,000 words. Someone read it and said, I found a typo. And I remember feeling so bad about that typo. And then I had to say, you ain't never wrote one <laughs> anything. And, and, and this is what you come to me with, but you have to get beyond yourself with some of this. How many of us have read a best-selling book with a typo in it? I have, but yet you self-publish, you have a typo, a grammatical error. Obviously you're not a good writer, not fair at all. We have to push beyond some of these things, continue to get to, get to a better place, you know, move our skills up, level up, but still not feel like one mistake means that we're not a good writer. You know, mm -hmm. we have broken English. We're not a good writer. All these things. We can't do that. We cannot do that. Any other, let's talk now about some of these techniques, techniques that we have to move forward and to allow ourselves to be authentic in our work. And while everybody is kind of getting their three ideas together, because I want us to go in detail about some of the things that you've done in order to move beyond fears 
of being transparent, being vulnerable in your work? Um, how did you get to a safe place where you could really talk about what you do? I have some great comments here um, that are coming in. I'm going to continue to go through a few of them and while everyone kind of get their ideas together, because this is this is what this is all about, is making sure that everyone who is watching us can walk away from this conversation with some tactics to how to move forward. This is essential. And let me tell you why. When I wrote my first book, I did not know what I was doing. I don't know about you guys. I didn't have resources. I had a few people who had written a couple of things and I called them and they told me to call this person or email this person. This is before all this information was really out there on the internet. And so I was just kind of hung out to figure it out on my own. And now we have each other. Okay. And that's what this pen posse is about. We can learn from each other. And so I want to make sure that we are teaching and educating and providing ways for our readers, our writers, I'm sorry, our writers to really learn that you're not alone. Your fears about being honest and truthful are legit. You're writing a memoir. You want to talk about real things. Here are some things that you need to consider. You know, you want to tell your truth. You know, it's going to be a little backlash but you know that this truth needs to come out. Here are some of the things to consider. So that's what this is all about. So we're going to take a minute and, um, and do that. And for our viewers out there who are dropping questions, please continue to, to do that. Oh, someone wants to know, can we talk about finding an editor, which I love that. Um, oh, let's see. It says typos happen when the best <laughs> with the best editing. Yes. Um, while we're getting our three or four ideas together, we're going to share with you over the next probably 30 minutes or so. Let's talk a little bit. Anybody want to chime in about the editor? I can tell you finding an editor is key. It is important. I've heard this a lot. Very interesting, though, that sometimes you want your editor to understand your vision all the time. You really want your editor to understand your vision. I've had people to say to me how they were writing from a black perspective. Their right, their editor wasn't African American, did not understand it, and wanted to eliminate a lot of what they were saying. Um, anybody else have had have you had that experience about the editor that you chose? And can you talk to everybody about how you found your editors and your experiences? We haven't heard from a couple of people. Um Jacqueline, can you, or your, your, your sound is good. I think she's a little delayed. Is it? Can you hear me? Let's, let's, let's is it say good? something. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Is it good? Okay. So, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying. When choosing an editor, you have to be um, able to choose someone that is connected to your voice and to your narrative and how you want to tell the story. Um, I believe that if you are, um, if you choose an editor that doesn't understand your culture or your history or behind the story, then they're not going to help you to convey that story. So I do is to make sure that you are connected to an editor or someone that can help you get your story out there that is aware of you know your culture and and your background and where you come where you come from and where you're trying to go with the story 
And so I believe that when it comes to finding an editor. Excellent. Anyone else? What? what? Oh, well, I was, I'm just so glad to hear from Jack. That was, that was a great point. But in my uh, finding an editor, I just went through a published company and took who they had to edit my book. And it was someone in a cubicle, a white guy in Arizona who didn't understand, like culturally, there are some things that black folks will say, like growing up in a culture where you have looked like a SOS Brillo scrubbing pad. You know, we had this 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 dynamic where people would pick at you by having kinky hair. And I wrote about being called, told my hair looked like a SOS pad. And the editor thought I was putting a message in a bottle, you know, SOS. And so going through that, going through that back and forth, it strengthened me as a writer and it helped me to understand that, you know, I have to say what I'm saying, be authentic to my voice, but communicate it in a way to where it reaches across mm -hmm. a broader spectrum and people can understand what I'm saying. Uh, as far as uh, when you were talking a while ago about uh, uh, black folks being cast into this category where we don't use proper English, and I got white friends that I could bring in here now and I could let them speak to y'all. And y'all y'all would need a tra me to translate what he's saying because he sounds like a, a mumble rapper from the South doing a country western song. You wouldn't understand nothing he was saying. So, but but they don't have this stigma attached to him. That the rest of white society is not uh, programmed to think that everybody talks like this, my white friend. But we are sometimes we have to overcome these stereotypes uh, all the time in the barbershop. I've been in the barbershop where every man in there had their child sitting there waiting to get a haircut. And the women on the other side, they're going to get mad. But they're on the other side. They'll talk about they're no good men taking care of their kids. And I'm like, hey, ladies, could y'all just look around this wall? And it's like six men over here with their sons. So but we have to overcome these stigmas and stereotypes in our culture that I, I don't think our white brothers and sisters have to. Um, I don't know if you wanted to talk about you. You said like three things about for as our writings that, that writing. Yeah. Uh, I know for me, the key as being a barber was listening first. Listen, let's, let's, let's put a hold. Let's put a let's put a pin in that. We're going to get to our three steps in one second. Okay. There's a lot of questions coming in about editors, so I, I don't want to I don't want to get off of that too quickly because a I want everybody to get edited. Okay, so I really believe in that because I feel like that is one of the 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 one key things I see as I read books from the Black Writers Workspace that become the problem is the fact that we have great stories, but we're not getting our work edited. So forgive me, Bernard. I didn't mean to cut you off. We're definitely going to get to those mm -hmm. items but there are a lot of questions coming in about finding a good editor the fact that there are people who are actually um being like you said bernard placed with editors that are that culturally don't understand them uh one person said something i thought was pretty profound and put up on the screen she said i almost uh, walked away from my book deal telling my editor you guys wanted a diverse writer but you didn't want diverse writing mm -hmm. so you know why does this all tie into authenticity absolutely if you want me to be diverse then let me be diverse okay and let me show you that our culture is different mm -hmm. before I, I agree i mean your editor you can have different types of editors you can have a development or developmental ed editor a copy editor uh there are so many different 
things that an editor can do for you. Some of them are just going to go through it and make sure everything is grammatically correct. Some of them are going to be trying to figure out how to help you to lay it out and it flows better and, you know, making sure that it's something appealing is going to be a page turner. Those are the types of things. But if you have, if you're writing about something that your editor is, is unfamiliar with, how can they help you to develop it? You know? And so these are some of the, the challenges that you have. So I would say to everyone who is looking for advice on how to find an editor, definitely do your homework. Definitely do your homework. Um, I work with several. I have Speak Right Play. I'm going to plug them on this because they are always so helpful. Um, Ethelene is, um, Sawyer is the person who I work with there and she's very good. Uh, she has different, you know, all types of people who work for her editors, but a very diverse group of editors. But nonetheless, uh, she's an African-American woman um, in the New Jersey area. I work with local people. Um, and to do this, get a good editor because that is so important. So I just wanted to kind of put a pin, just say that. And then we're going to go in now with some of our other questions about, you know, how do we get to a place of authenticity? And Bernard, we're going to come back to you right now so you can give us your three ideas on that. I just wanted to talk a little bit more about the editing. Uh, three, three things about uh, writing. My, my starting point as a barber is always from starting to listen so that I can, when I do speak, that I will have something enlightening to say. Uh, and Number two is research. Make sure what I'm saying is is true and real. You know, it based by factual. Well, somebody somebody independent who disagree with me can research the same thing and find the same facts. We we can all have our own opinions, but we should all share the same facts. And uh, my 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 gift, my blessing is uh, like I'm a artist. I like to sit down and free draw. Sometimes as a kid, I would free draw. And without knowing what I was going to draw, but I would just draw things. So free writing for me is like drawing with a pen and, and writing our stories. So sometimes I sit down with no preconceptions of what I'm going to write and I just start to free write. So those are the three things that that have helped me to become an mm -hmm. author. Free writing. I love that. Research, research, research. Um, research is key. There are because we have self-publishing anybody can publish i want to say that anybody i could literally go to amazon right now write four pages about nothing <laughs> put a cover on it and have it published and good to go and out of the door for sales within 72 hours you know that because we can publish don't mean we should publish and so researching editing getting a good editor understanding how to write a book is key there are 1 million books over 1 million books being self-published every year this is going to do one or two good things i mean one or two things for the literary world it's either going to put some great stories out there that will our kids will be reading about in 50 years or it's going to put a whole bunch of bad stories out there that our kids will be burning in the fireplace and saying, why did, why is this even a book? Okay. Let's care about what the literary world is going to be about in the future. And that's why as authors, we have a responsibility to put out good work. So thank you for that research, um, free write, 
um, get into programs, understand how to publish, get a good editor. Also, have a theme, know what you're writing about. That's excellent. Jacqueline, you want to, I'm sorry, not Jacqueline, but Joyce, you want to chime in on your ideas of getting to a place of authenticity? Okay, well, first, um, I'm a type of person I like to, you know, I like to see the um, cup is half full instead of empty. So you have to take advantage of mishaps. To me, COVID-19 was the best thing that could have happened to me because it, it helped me to literally freeze in my spot and make me think of what I wanted to do. What I wanted to do is write. I wrote a book, you know, during that time frame. Um, you have to flip the script, you know, and, and like I said, make make it work for you. Um, just do it. You know, we, we spend a lot, of, you know, we have the plasters and the, um, the planners and, you know, three types of authors. Me, I'm an in-between. You know, I can, you know, I can plan out my book and then I just write. I just do it. Stephen King writes, what do you say? Uh, was it 8,000, 9,000 words a day or something like that? It just comes to him. It just flows. That's why he's able to make all these books. But in order for me to get to that point, I have to meditate. I have to clear my chakras out. I have to go for a walk or something that helps you to just focus and be able to concentrate. Even if you just write one thing, we can't be like Stephen King, you know, or other great, you know, authors. You have to do you. Even if it's just one line, one sentence, one word, you know, do that at least, you know, until it just becomes, you know, commonplace to you. But the other thing, societal norms be darned. You just can't write, you know, for, for everybody. You have to write what you experience. You have to write what you feel. You just have to get there and just write, period. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you go back and say, okay, um, I can change that a little bit. I can make that better. But these are the things that have worked for me. Love it. Absolutely. You cannot write for everyone. Great lesson for those who are putting that first book out there and don't have a marketing strategy. Guerrilla marketing does not work, everybody. Your book is not going to be for everybody. Know who the audience is and target the audience. Okay. Know who the audience is. A lot of times we allow um, critics to come to us and say things and hurt us and make us feel like our work isn't any good. These are people who were never our audience in the first place. I don't even like sci-fi, but I read the book and I really didn't like it. <laughs> you know? You're like, oh, okay. I didn't read it. I didn't write it for you. Okay. It's not for you. Know your audience. That will help you. I promise you tremendously as you get out into this book writing world, your work is not for everyone. Like I said before, there may be one person that is meant to grow from your book. And maybe that's the person that, you know, is as long as that person gets it, you're good. Everybody is not trying to be a millionaire with this. I know we all want to be successful. I want to be successful at writing, but I realized that um, everybody's not going to like it. Everybody's not going to get it, you know? And for those who do, I, I love, I love my fans. I love the ones who love what I write, but I cannot write for everyone. No one writes for everyone. No one, no one writes for everyone. So just, I love that. I love that. Andrew, what are your three or four or five? What you got for us? Uh, the three, the first thing is as corny as it sounds, get your mind right. And what that means is what has been heard earlier, whether it's meditation, walk, um, your prayer time, um, 
get your mind in a clear space. Um, that's like one of the first things. But then the second thing is don't be afraid to change up. Like even each book that I've done, I've done from a different space. Uh, my second book, I rotated from writing it from home to different coffee houses, even when the weather was decent going out to the park. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to change your environment in order to get a different perspective. You know how like when you watch a movie that second time or the third time, you're trying to catch what you missed. Sometimes you have to write in different spaces in order to capture you know, some of the different images or connect or reconnect with different things that are going to parlay into your writing. Um, and then the third thing is I've always said be consistent, but consistency looks different for everybody. You know, consistency for Stephen King is eight to 9,000 words a day or whatever. That might not look, that's not going to be consistency for everybody. I always tell people, Think of whatever you've accomplished professionally, personally, you know, health-wise, whatever. And how much time did you have to invest in order to start seeing progress? And that might be your starting point. Now, does it mean you're going to write seven times a day because, I mean, seven days a week because you're working out seven days a week? No, but it gives you a starting point. And when you're building the habit, However you do it, you type it in your laptop or you type it in your cell phone or you carry around the little composition books. When you're building up the habit, now all of a sudden different things are going to come out. And then you can go back, as others have said, and kind of start doing your fine tuning. It's almost like when you go to the gro like you think about it like going to the grocery store, get all the groceries you need. Now, all of a sudden, when you're in the kitchen, you're throwing this extra seasoning, that extra seasoning. Well, that's kind of happens when you build up the habit of writing. You build up the habit. That's where you're getting the groceries. And now when you're looking through to see what are you really going to use, what stuff are you going to revisit and clean up? Now that's putting the seasoning to it. And then to parlay with what was said earlier, when you find an editor who is understanding your voice but is figuring out ways to continue to fine tune your voice or amplify your voice, that's who you link up with. So those are probably the three simplest things that I can suggest that it's not, it's not necessarily rocket science, but we sometimes make the process so much more difficult than what it needs to be. And keep it that simple, keep your head clear, be willing to change up where you are just to kind of tap into different things and um you know th th those types of things and just build up the habit and then once you build up those three things good things can definitely happen i love that keep your head clear and where you write it find a place to write a comfort a comfortable place for yourself um i wrote my first book sitting in an olive garden I would go to Olive Garden almost every day and I would sit in there and I would write. I would spread papers all over the, the table and they got so accustomed to me coming that would just, you know, they stop asking, you know, people ask questions and everything. They stop asking and they would just, they knew what I wanted to eat. My husband was in Iraq and I was by myself and I started to write it. And, you know, there were some days I went to this Olive Garden and forgot my purse and couldn't even pay. And they would like, don't worry about it. Like it was just that they would see me so much. 
Um, and for the record, I love Olive Garden. So if anybody want to send me a gift, that's what I want. But yeah, I that was, you know, I found a place that was good for me to write. I don't write every day, every, everybody. I don't. I don't. I would love to. I think I could put out a book of every three months if I did. I am not disciplined in that way. And I'm trying to get there. So I love that. It's your way. It's your fingerprint. You figure out what works for you. You don't have to do it like everyone else. Um, great, great advice. Um, Jacqueline, can you can your, give us your three? Yes, I actually have five, if you don't mind. Okay, you um, so my first one is, <laughs> my first one is, um, so so first of all, I, I grew up in the church. And so I used to think that my story and my writing was just for the church. And so what I had to realize that my writing wasn't just for the church or, you know, my faith or that organization, but it was for the world. And when I realized that my writing was for the world, that's when the stories began to flow. And then I was able to put more stories out into the world. I became a vessel when I realized that it was just bigger than a church and bigger than myself, but it was for the world. So that's the first one. Realize that your, your writing and your storytelling isn't just for a small group of people, but it's for the world. And there are people that are waiting for you to tell your story. And once you tell it in, a, in an authentic way, then you will, will connect with your audience. And so that's the first thing. Get it. Get get out of your own way. Get out of what you learn growing up. Get out of what you learn in your family, you know, and all of those different things and, and really get out there. Number two, do a lot of research. Just like Bernard said, I believe that it's important that we do research, especially on the format, the format of writing. So we have to know, you know, what is the format when it comes to book writing and what is the format for whatever particular genre that you're writing for? I think that's very important. Um, also, number three, create a, create a chapter by chapter outline for your book. Mm -hmm. I find that um, when you create a chapter by chapter outline, when you actually sit down to write your book, then you're going to write with ease and flow. So it's going to be easier for you to write your chapters. It's going to be easier for you to write your book once you get your outline together. Um, number four, um, make sure that you have a beta reader. I'm a big I'm a big person in believing having a beta reader is very important because um, that person can, you know, if you are connecting the story, they'll let you know if your story is flowing, you know, for the reader. Because you don't want to write something that's confusing that people won't understand what your story is about. So number four, having a beta reader is very important. And then my last one is, you know, we were talking about editors. I think it's very important that we support black editors. And a lot of times we don't do that. And then we get upset when we go to a person of a different culture and they're not really understanding our language. But us as black people, we have to learn how to support each other. We have to learn how to support editors um, so that we can maintain our authentic voice. And so those are my five. And I, I think those, those things are very important. Excellent. Excellent. Love that. Create a chapter by chapter outline. That is important. Once again, we have standards in writing and everyone needs to know if you want things to flow, if you want them to um, to be a, a page turner, which is what we really want. We want people to finish our books. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I love that idea of having that outline um, beta readers. 
Absolutely. Um, this is something that's kind of new to me in many ways. I'm beginning to get more engaged in having beta readers do things. Um, like I said, my first book, I didn't have any type of idea of what I was doing. So now, you know, as I've, I've written more books, you learn these things. Excellent advice. Um, and then you said re realizing that your work is for a larger a larger group, right? Realizing that it, it can be for the masses and that's great and do your research. Excellent. Um, Norcell asked a question. I think it's his second time. I want to make sure that we answer it before we go to the next person. He says, has anyone serialized their novel releasing a chapter at a time on social to build an audience? Anybody want to tackle that? I know I haven't. Um, I've heard of people doing that. Um, you have things like Wattpad, Wattpad, Wattpad um, people have done. It's up, it's up to you what you want to do and how you want to release your work. Me, I just rather put the whole book out there. I do believe putting teasers out there. I want to say when I was going to first release Reverse, which was eventually called Boomerang, uh, uh, initially called Boomerang, I remember putting snippets, like little excerpts mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, where it was like a teaser of a portion from the book that I was writing at the time on social media. I do believe that I wouldn't put a, I wouldn't put a full chapter. But again, everyone is different to what they want to do in their experience. There are many resources um, that you can use to put things out on social media or WordPress if you want to do a blog. However, um, Norcel, I do invite you to join the Black Writers Workspace, our Facebook group. It is private. And you can put excerpts on it as long as it's not too long. Um, you can put excerpts out there and we can give you feedback on it. That's what the workspace is about. So consider that as well. But I agree with Ryan. I would not put a full chapter out. I would do snippets. Um, you may want to find some beta readers. And on my website, on my my website, author Michelle G. Jackson, we have a list of beta readers. Um, some of them are free, some are paid. You can go to my page at authormichelledjackson.com. You can get a beta reader uh, because there are many people out there who would love to read and, and give feedback to you. So please do that as well. Um, that's an idea. So Katanya, 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 I'm, I'm killing it today. Um, <laughs> Katanya, it's okay. <laughs> give me your, your um, ideas of how do you overcome some of the hurdles uh, with making sure that your work is authentic. Sure. Um, for me, one of the biggest thing is um, I am, I live from I live in Long Island, so I'm surrounded by all this water. Um, going to the beach, um, finding that place where I can clear my mind um, and sit where there's no distraction around me is very important. Um, so that was huge for me, going to the beach um, by myself with... Um, a notepad, um, my phone, and just sitting and just letting my mind take me on a journey. Um, another thing is connecting with the writing community. Um, COVID, like um, someone said, I, I'm sorry, I apologize, was a, a blessing for me because I was able to connect with a writing community. Shout out to Power and the Pen. Um, they're based in Brooklyn. I live in Long Island. It's a two-hour commute, but they were doing everything virtually. So I was able to connect with the writing community. And I think that was um, helpful because you have all these different eyes and ears and different perspectives that can hear your voice um, 
and you want to make sure your voice, you're getting your authentic voice out. So having um, that community was, was very, very helpful for me. Um, and the world is different now. So you can connect with writing communities all over the world right now, um, connect with other authors. Um, and I said, don't worry about what genre you're in because, you know, you just, you want those different eyes and ears. Um, you want someone to, to be able to review your work and make sure what you're trying to put out is, is what, you know, your voice and what you're trying to put out is, is actually being put out. Um, and I also want to say, yes, I believe in having the outline, but also just write without thinking. Um, and you can always go back and fill in and flush out the different ideas and the things you want in different areas, but write without being so much in your head. Get it out on paper, then come back to it, flush it out even more. So those are my, my three biggest um, ideas that I would say. Excellent. Excellent. I um, Someone asked that we put our social media tags and websites in the chat box. I don't know if everybody's got access to it. Um, but if you can do that. So the idea of going in and writing somewhere there where you're comfortable finding uh, groups to help you, uh, these are the types of resources that could be game changers for, for your work. And so we do encourage everyone, everyone to do that. Put, you know, find what's comfortable for you when it comes to writing and, and move in that direction. Can everybody see the chat box? or comments. Okay. If not, you can always go into, okay, there, I see some of you going in. You can go into Facebook and also drop that information if you see it, if you don't see it. So yeah, I love what you said. These are some great ideas, everybody. I hope everyone is listening and paying attention. These are some amazing ideas of how do we get to an authentic voice sitting with yourself, you know, starting to write, being honest about your development um, of your projects, uh, finding that comfort. Know that don't get into this writing game also to write only one book. I do encourage everyone, keep writing, just keep writing. It doesn't matter if you only publish a book, but you can still blog. You can, you can set up your own um, social media, private pages, and just write about different things and share that work, do collaborative efforts. There's so many things that we can do. So let's definitely continue to do that. I want to give everybody a little time to put their information in the chat box for those of you who would like to connect with us. That would be great. All right, Ryan, your time. Share, share with us your ideas. All right. So um, one of the first things that came to mind, I'm trying to do something different with everybody else. Like everybody pretty much said what I wanted to say. Um, but one of the things I would say is definitely get the words on the paper. Um, as a former um, ELA teacher, a current avid teacher, um, our kids are so quick to raise our hands and say, Mashikas, I don't know how to spell so-and-so. We don't care about spelling. I just want you to get the words on the paper. Mm -hmm. um, I even had to get to a point that when I wanted to use particular words, when I find myself using the same word over and over again, I would just put a box around it so that would remind me to go back 
and fix it when I'm going through the editing revision stage. So just get the words on the paper and then you can go back. Um, I'll admit I'm not an outliner either because somehow the outline always gets busted wide open um, in the midst of my writing process. Um, the next thing, beta readers, beta readers, beta readers. Mm -hmm. I'll admit I initially went to Wintham University to be a mass communications major. I was going to be editor-in-chief of Essence. God had other plans. So I ended up being an educator. And as a result, I did, as I was writing my stories, I would share them with my students and I would get feedback from my students. And sometimes I would leave it into a, um, a ELA lesson where we're analyzing plot or dialogue mm -hmm. or doing a writer's workshop. And I would bring in my own writer. Then as I got closer through the process, I actually had certain students who I asked to read my book from front to cover and they gave me feedback. Um, and then it just went from there. Um, another thing I want to emphasize is an editor is a trial and error process. And there's nothing wrong if you end up going through five different people to edit your book. Mm -hmm. I am extremely thankful that I finally found my editor. And I want to say I was following um, another person on their podcast or it was either on IG. And she talked about having your manuscript evaluated. Well, initially I was going to have it evaluated by another person. It was going to be almost $1,300. I knew I couldn't afford to do that. So mm -hmm. I ended up going with another young lady, a lady suggested, and she ended up becoming my editor. And it's to the point now, I know this is my editor. I'm not going anywhere unless she wants to leave me because um, she definitely understands my voice. And the last thing I want to say, I want to emphasize what the Tanya said earlier is find your writer's community. I know in Columbia, South Carolina, we have a group called Columbia Writers Alliance, and we would sit around the table at the library and share our pieces from publishing to finding your voice to when book fairs were coming up, find a group of people who are trying to do what you do, who have been where you are or going where you're going so they can give you that wisdom. Fought, read, 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 read. I'm a huge reader, not just because I want my kids and my students to read, but also because I'm learning the craft myself. Mm -hmm. So as a result of me reading, I also follow those authors on social media, two of my favorite authors, Nick Stone and Angie Thomas, they will go live on IG and just have conversations about who they are as a person, but also them as an author. And they would give tips and tricks on how to write your book and how to be authentic. So there are a lot of authors out there who are mainstream, who are willing to share because they want you to they want you to get your voices out there. Mm -hmm. So again, get the words on the paper. Don't worry about what it looks like. Beta readers are borderline right underneath Jesus. They're needed because they give you that feedback that you need. And again, make sure that their beta readers reflect your audience that you're writing for. And then, of course, having a writer's community and connecting with other writers and gleaming from people to go where you need to go. Excellent. Back again, resources, people. Don't write in a, in a vacuum, people, all right? Find someone to help you. Ask questions. Ask everybody. I mean, ask all the questions you need because I can tell you this: when you Google how to publish a book, you're gonna get a million different ideas. When you Google who do I use as an editor, you're gonna get a million different people that show up. You need to screen your editors. Make sure it's a good fit. Don't worry if you have to go through several. I have my first book. I had someone to edit it. I paid them five hundred dollars. All they did is add a bunch of comma splices. I had to go back, take them all out and start all over again. And I was five hundred dollars short. OK, I couldn't get my money back. 
Then I found another editor who was a friend of mine, George uh, Fishburn, who is excellent. He is also an editor. Um, he took that book. He knew my voice. He knew me. And he was able to do with it what I wanted to do. My second book, I had two separate editors. And um, I think that, you know, use as many editors as you can. Some people and editors aren't perfect people. All right. They get things wrong, too. They may overlook something. So having that second eye on it and then getting a beta reader is going to be key. But I want to say this, and I don't know if this fits the narrative for many. Do everything you can to make your book as, as, as well done as you can make it. But don't worry if it's not perfect. OK, let's let's not stop writing because of one imperfection. That's not fair. And that's not the point, in my opinion. How many bad movies do we see? How many? I mean, really? I go to the movies. I watch movies all day, every day. And trust me, I, I every time I see a bad one, I go, I know 15 different writers could have read a, a better story than this, but they made it to the big screen. So we're not going to uh, let's not start to tear each other down over things not being perfect. I think the writing industry is one of the few industries that do that. I think film is much better. They honor their new filmmakers. How many times do you hear new writers being honored the way they do in the film industry? I would love to see that happen for us. But instead, we have three misspelled words and now our 150,000 word book is no good. Uh, no, <laughs> that, that cannot be the case. So let's you know, do your work, do your part. But please don't stop writing because you don't think it's perfect. OK, don't do that. OK. Um, Charlotte, uh, Charlotte, oh my God, Scarlett, I am so bad. What's up with me? It's your turn. Go for it. Um, just to piggyback a little bit off what you said is, you know, there's a lot of, like you said, bad movies out there or what people consider books, but there's someone loves it. Yeah. You might not like it, but somebody does love it. So you have to keep that into perspective uh, that there's an audience for everybody. So why it might not be your audience. For that particular person who's giving you a review, there's someone out there who likes it. So the key is, like you said, to keep writing, to make sure that you have uh, beta readers. Beta readers are so important. I am fortunate enough that I have the my book club. So once I decided to put the book out, um, I used them, like because I know that they were going to give honest opinions. They didn't care about my feelings. They they don't care about anyone's feelings. They were going to give me the truth of how they felt about what they read. And that's the key in finding beta readers, finding the right ones who you know it's their genre or audience, um, and that they're going to be honest with you. Uh, another thing is to, one thing that I found very, very helpful is I treat it like a job sometimes with writing. When I need to, when I want to write and get it out, I'll write on my phone. I will write anywhere. Uh, but also, I set aside time, like this is going to be, Wednesday and Thursday between seven and nine is going to be where I sit down to write. Now I don't always write anything at that time. I'm going to sit in front of my computer. I might wind up researching some things. I might wind up fumbling on my phone, but the thing is I have the time to have a side to dedicate to it because it's something that I want to do. Uh, and then again, there's three o'clock in the morning. I might wake up and like, Oh no, I need to write now. So I'm going to jump up and start writing. Or again, I'm going to pull out my phone and start writing. So I think one of the key things is to make sure that you dedicate the time to yourself for your craft. 
and then you also don't fight when it, the need comes up to get your story out and let your voice be heard. So Scarlett, what, what's your genre? Romance. Okay. Uh, Ryan, what's your genre? Honestly, right now is realistic fiction, YA, but there are other adult novels in the works. Katanya, what's your what's your um your um your genre? Um nonfiction. I'm writing a memoir. Okay. Um Jacqueline. What's your genre? Women's fiction. Okay. Women's Andrew? fiction. Excellent. Uh I say definitely not nonfiction. I sprinkle Fiction, but definitely lean more nonfiction. Okay, Joyce? Poetry and women's fiction. And Bernard? Nonfiction. Okay. So we're writing in all genres. We're doing, we're doing it. And all these ideas that we have to get you to a place of being authentic is meant to keep you writing. Okay. Knowing who you're writing for, your genre, how do you connect with them? How do you set that time apart to write? How do you write? How do you find an editor? How do you get to a place where you are clear about who you are, that your character development is very truthful and authentic? How do you, you know, getting to all those things, that's what this conversation is all about. And I am so grateful to have had this opportunity to meet with all these fabulous writers in all these different genres who are sharing these key nuggets I didn't have this when I started in this industry and we wanna make sure that our writers have this type of communication so that they can learn from each other. And as you hear, no one is doing it all the same way, okay? No one is doing it the same way. However, we are putting out great work and that is exactly what we wanna do. So for everyone, we wanna wrap up this last 10 minutes I first want to thank you all for being a part of this conversation, and hopefully you will be a part of future Pen Posse roundtables. What we're going to be doing going forward is just putting a message out like we did with this one for those of you who are think this is a great topic for you and would like to be on, and then we will select up to um, eight to ten people to participate. Uh, this has been amazing. We've got great questions. Uh, we've got people who've been with us the entire two hours. But more than anything, we hope that everyone is motivated to work. Get out there and put your stories out there. The world needs your stories. Okay? Keep me from watching another bad Netflix movie by getting your work out there. Keep me from being, I, I just want to like take the TV and throw it out the window when I see these movies because I know there are so many people on the Black Writers Workspace that can create a better story. But we got to put them out. We got to put them out there. So thank you to everyone who have been a part. I want everybody to kind of wrap up and give some final words uh, of encouragement to our writers. And we're just going to start a Bernard and you guys just come go up and down the screen. I won't call your name. You've got it. So we're going to start with you, Bernard. Uh, again, I'm just honored to be on such a distinguished panel here. with, And uh, I hope you all feel as good as you all look. I've learned so much. I've been following Andrew and his books about baseball for, for a year. So I'm just humbled to be here. Uh, connecting with Black Writers Workspace is so critical for me and my publishing journey because there is in a community where I'm from, there's not like an author next door. So it's a place where I can ask like 
supposedly silly questions like, what is a beta reader? You know, I've been hearing that term a lot. And I'm like, I'm not ashamed to say that. I, I don't even know what that is. I'm going to have to research that. And I know somebody here will, will explain it to me in a loving fashion without passing judgment. So I just so appreciative of this panel, Pen Posse, the Black Writers Workspace, and everything you do to promote and amplify our stories. Because, you know, our stories are important. And sometimes in the larger scheme of the publishing world, they get oppressed and sent to the side. And I almost caught the spirit when Joyce was talking about the, the pandemic and because without the pandemic, I wouldn't even be here because everybody went to school with me and surprised that I, I wrote a book. So the rainbow in the cloud was through all our storm was me being able to write my book, A Black Man's Guide to Liberating the Rural South. And writing is a path for liberation to me. Excellent. Joyce? Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, first of all, <laughs> Michelle, thank you for creating this. You know, you saw a problem and you solved it. You know, um, basically, um, I think I, I can't quote it directly, but someone said, what is the definition of a writer? And it's when you decide that you have a story to tell. Absolutely. Excellent. Andrew? Again, Michelle, thank you for having this resource available for authors to share and exchange, but also keep each other motivated, encouraged, inspired, as well as future authors. And to everybody on panel, all of you are great at what you do. Don't let anyone tell you different. Um, and all of us have a story to tell. Um, I guess the biggest thing, the most important thing for anybody who's thinking about the most important thing is getting started. Um, that's the most important thing when it's all said and done, get started. If it's on your heart and if this is something that is an extension of who you are, you're part of your passion, part of your purpose, go ahead and get started. And what I'll say is there's somebody out there waiting to hear it from you. I'm going to say that one more time. There's somebody out there waiting to hear it from you. Don't keep them waiting too much longer. Excellent. Jacqueline? I'm so sorry. My mute button is acting up. Um, but I just want to say thank you for this opportunity. What I would say in, or, in order to encourage people out there is just be open to the stories that are on the inside of you. Be open to the stories that God is sending you and that he wants you to tell. There's somebody in this earth that needs what it is that you have to say and they need the story that you have to tell. They're actually crying out for somebody to write um, a story in order to connect with them, in order to bring them to a place of freedom and liberation and truth and openness about the things that are going on in their own lives and in their community. So be open to yourself, be open to the stories that are coming to you and realize that your openness is going to set other people free. And that's very important. Excellent. Katanya? Um, thank you so much, Michelle. Um, this has been a true... Um, blessing and a great experience. Um, I wanna say um, to everyone out there, get out of your head. Um, if this has been placed on your heart, your mind, your soul, um, it's because it's for a reason. Um, you never know what 
what life or lives you can change through your work. Right. Um, again, thank you, Michelle, for creating this platform. Um, this is truly an awesome experience. And one thing I want to um, put out there, this thought came to me yesterday and I was thinking about things I wanted to share. The reality is there are a lot of people out there that are singing and can't sing. But they got with a vocal coach or they got with some auto tunes or a good producer and they're putting out albums. Never think that you can't write. If you have a story that is burning inside of you, there are writing coaches, there are editors who will help you get your voice out there. But the point is you have to take the step and get it out there. And I believe once you make that first step, God will meet you in the others. And as a result, resources will come your way. So please believe, I do believe that some people have to develop a writing talent and it's nothing wrong with that. Your story is your story. But at the same time, please know that we need it. We need you. And I would say the biggest advice I could give is to let go of fear. Um, it is very easy to get caught up in worrying about the about public opinion. And yes, you want your re readers to like it, but you have to let go of the fear of judgment that people might have. What will my family think? What my friends might think? And to just write what you authentically want to write and then go from there. It's, I think everyone has said it and Ryan just said it like there's there's people who can help you develop it to get better there are people who will love it there will be people who hate it uh, but just do it if that's what what you have in your heart and your spirit to do write it and let go of what anyone might say or think about it except yourself because at the end of the day if you're the only person who reads it it is tangible you can put it in your hand you know that you finished it and that's worth a lot. Absolutely. So everybody, thank you so much for being a part of the Pen Posse. We are back and we're going to be hosting another one next month. Not sure what the topic will be. Uh, however, I will definitely put it out there. Thank you to everyone who tuned in um, and for your comments. This has been fabulous. I'm so excited. Uh, this is not always an easy topic to cover, um, but I, I'm so happy that everyone was being open and honest about your process. Um, and I hope that everyone was able to learn something. So thank you so much. Please continue to support the Black Writers Workspace. We invite everyone to join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also invite you to be a part of our events. I think I'm going to be hosting, uh, I think, I'll know after Monday, hosting a book fair live here in New Orleans next year. So I hope that everyone will come, have fun. I promise you will, you will have a ball in New Orleans. But I wanted to start, uh, we've hosted about five um, virtual book fairs. It's time for us to, to do something live um, and to have some, some live workshops. So I, I'm not gonna give up on making sure that we all have the resources that we need. If it wasn't for the Black Writers Workspace, I never would have written my third book. I'm so happy with everything. I've learned so much from each and every one of you. I have learned so much, you have no idea. So thank you all for being a part of it. Last but not least, I do invite everyone to be a part of our new um, Black Creators um, Collaborative. It is a partnership with the Ossidian Rope um, Program, which is um, an initiative that helps to connect Black writers with top brands that are looking for Black writers or writers of color. 
we are now doing a competition uh, where you have to write based on a prompt. You can find that information on all of our social media pages. It is free. You have to upload a five to eight page response to the writing prompt. We are giving away $500 cash, $250 and $150. But in the end, what you'll do is have an opportunity to get your work in front of some of these major, major brands that are looking for writers of color. So we are always doing something. This is just a start for this year when it comes to the um, pen posse. Thank you to everyone. We are on time. Love being on time. Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. And this also will be posted. It'll be on YouTube. It will be on Facebook. And we'll have clips of it on Instagram. So start looking for that in the next 24 hours. We'll get this information out there. So again, thank you, everybody. And thank you. And we're still getting all these amazing comments. So thank you, everybody. And uh, have a great weekend.